Hello everyone, I'm Corinne Givargazov, the founder of Mission Magazine, the first ever fashion philanthropic interactive media brand. I do this podcast with singer-songwriter Charlene Spiteri of the UK band Texas. Before I introduce our next guest, I want to take a moment to acknowledge everything that's happening in the world right now. Although we recorded this podcast in the midst of the coronavirus lockdown, it was well before the senseless killing of George Floyd. The protests across the globe, which appear to be igniting what is undoubtedly necessary change. This week's podcast may offer some respite from the news and a dose of escapism. We speak with distinguished makeup artist Kate Lee. She's renowned for her campaigns with the likes of Chanel and for defining the face of some of the world's most infamous celebrities. Kate gets very candid about her career trajectory with us, her honest feelings about Instagram and where she feels the beauty industry is heading post-pandemic. Thank you for listening. Take care and be well. Thanks for inviting me. I'm super flattered. (laughs) We're very, very excited. And I know that, I know I know you in one capacity from a past life. I don't remember how you know Charlene. Oh, trust me. Kate knows me very well. (laughs) How did that come about? How did you guys meet? Kate has been my makeup, was was my makeup artist and still nips in sometimes to just do the odd wedding or whatever formula. (laughs) But yeah, Kate has been on tour with Texas for went into with us for many years was my makeup artist for many years before she ran away to America. Yeah. And after I went away to America, I came back and I did. She's done videos and everything from many, 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 many things. Apart from that, is my mate and my pal and my confidant, and I love her dearly. So there you go. The feeling is mutual, my love. Fantastic. I met Kate years ago when I was at art school. Our paths crossed then. And then with Charlene, I think, coincidentally. You see the things that have happened over the years. I mean, it's really, really funny. I mean, even to the fact that, that Kate's husband, Sasha, they knew each other, which I never knew. And Kate never knew that Sasha was my hairdresser at this point, And she was living in America. And on a video shoot, and she came over to do my makeup for, for a video. We get on set and Sasha's there and that's where they rekindled their uh, relationship and ended up getting married. So there you go. Fantastic. That's thanks to you. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because our paths had crossed like many times before and I I ran into Sasha on, on Shaw's video shoot and then it wasn't kind of like an instant thing because he was he was still in a relationship and so was I, so disclaimer. That is an absolute disclaimer, that's true. But the funny thing was I never knew that the two of them had any like, had known each other previously or anything. I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So I'm always like trying to take credit for the fact. <laughs> no, you can <laughs> take credit. You totally can take credit. I would like to take credit, big credit, in the fact that uh, I feel that I hooked them back up. <laughs> you did, babe. You did. You can you can have that one. Oh, my one. God. Oh, my God. I met you, Karina. I met you. The first time I remember meeting you. Just Chelsea Art School? Yes. And actually, no, it wasn't at the, it wasn't at the Chelsea Art School. It was the first time I remember really talking to you properly was at a party that GQ did with Paul Smith. And I don't know, I was there because I used to date someone who worked at GQ and... Sounds like I gate crashed it. 
I think I did too, babe. I think we were also. <laughs> everybody not just does everyone not just gate crash those parties? Well, I was like, there's a party in Nottingham. Let's get on the bus, you know. So we went. Oh, no, I no, I know. I remember that because I was at the face and we went. I actually did get invited because that's where Cat used to work. I was going to see Cat and Jillian that was there. Kat's- and Jillian, that's how I ended up there. I think, yeah, but. I'm super happy that you invited me on and I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've been really enjoying listening to you. So and good for you for making it happen, Karina, because, you know, it's it's a new format and it's interesting. Oh, gosh. Do you remember? I met, I saw Kate, God, what was it, five years ago in LA and told you what I was doing. Is that how long it is? Oh, four years, something like that. And Wow. Honest to God, if I knew how hard this would be, oof, wouldn't have done it. No way. <laughs> yeah, you No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. No, I don't think I would. Charlene was actually, I told three people, and Charlene was one of the three I told initially. She's one of the first people I told my, my idea a long, long time ago. But anyway, we're here to talk about you. We are. And you're amazing. Now, you just said the word Yorkshire. I can still hear your accent a tiny bit. It's a bit strange, your accent. As of, There's a, obviously a bit of L.A. Because it's a bit American, yeah. obviously, and, and Yorkshire. How long have you been in LA for now? Um, seventeen years. Yeah, she left. She left the week. She left the week. Uh, my daughter Misty was born. That's how long I've been in New York. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Oh, same same period of time. It's so weird now because I lived in London. I moved from Yorkshire when I finished college, and I was just eighteen. And I moved down to London, nineteen ninety one. And I was there for 13 years and it really was my home. And um, when I left and I moved to LA, I remember sort of, you know, every year at Easter is the anniversary of me moving to the States. And every Easter that goes by, I think about how many years it's been. And I remember when I got to year 14, just thinking, I've lived here now longer than I lived in London, which was so inconceivable to me because I only lived in Yorkshire for 18 years. So I've now actually lived here longer than Yorkshire and London individually. And it's just bizarre. And of course, my accent has changed over the years because I think it's just a, you know, needs to an end. And you get sick of, you get sick of repeating yourself and, you know, you have to use the correct terminology. It's the same language. It's different terminology. And, you know, I get, I get grief every time I go back to Yorkshire because everyone's like oh you don't sound the same anymore and I'm just like guys it's been 18 years what do you expect of me like something's gonna change at some point I'm still the same person I haven't changed who I am but my accent yeah it's all over the place most of the time people think I'm Australian here which is ridiculous oh gosh I don't know you know it's really funny that you say you've been gone so long because I don't feel I, I guess because you're all you're kind of always with me like I don't I actually feel that you're that you're ever you've been gone that length of time but then again you know sometimes I just I time runs away with you and I think because I see you because you're traveling I mean the amount of traveling that you do Kate is just outrageous and you know that you know that coming for me that's a lot yeah I mean the weird thing about my job Actually, yeah, can you, expl- can you explain to us what you do for all our listeners? I think a lot of people understand when they think makeup artists, oh, it's so glamorous, which I want to hear about the travel as well, because then that's going to be a real reality check on how it's really not glamorous. But I think to understand for our listeners what the difference is between doing editorial shoots, like what the word editorial means, and then like being a celebrity makeup artist, what, what the difference is there and how there's different 
pros and cons and challenges. So it'd be great to kind of just hear that from you. Yeah, I think the main difference really is the travel. You know, I trained in fashion and I really thought I was going to be a fashion makeup artist. And I, you know, I worked on the collections with Val for years and years. And I really thought I was going to head into fashion. So the whole celebrity thing happened by accident. So when I decided that I wanted to become a makeup artist, I don't think I really had any idea of what that would entail. But being an editorial makeup artist versus what I do, editorial is really just pictures for fashion magazines. And luckily, I still get to do that. But the, the vast majority of my job is now that I travel with people when they're promoting a movie, when they're going to do a TV show, you know, uh, if they're shooting a campaign for, you know, a watch company, my job is to show up wherever they are. And, you know, it's like any other sort of relationship that you would build at work in the sense that people become comfortable around you and they, they would prefer to work with you under certain circumstances because they know they might not be at their best or it's too stressful or, and so really, you know, there's a huge personal element to what I do as opposed to going to work with a different photographer, a different model, a different stylist every day, which, you know, I don't mean to generalize because everybody is different. And I think people are a lot more versatile now than, than they were when I started doing this job. But I could never have imagined that I would travel as much as I have done to this point. I mean, I would tour with Shar and we would go off and go around Europe and have giggles on the tour bus. But my job now is, you know, I can hit three different continents in a week. You know, it sounds super glamorous, but it's really not fun arriving on another time zone and, you know, having to sort of take a shower and go straight to work and be happy and smiley and your best self when, you know, maybe you, maybe you're not feeling too great. Maybe something's going down at home that's upsetting or, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter what is going on in my personal life. I still have to show up and do my job. That's, that's the, I think the main difference. I don't really have a choice about, you know, whether I choose that job or not part of being loyal and having loyal clients is that you are, you know, somewhat bomb proof and they know that you'll show up no matter what. So I would say that's the main difference. You do go beyond the call of duty, Kate. You know, that's, you know, I always think that's the difference between someone that just does the job and then someone that loves what they do and are, are exceptionally good at it. Um, do you think, a question for you, you know, like, because you studied within fashion, makeup and everything, and you studied skin and all this, so you know lots about that. And, you know, I remember when I, I was looking for someone to do my makeup, I said to Val Garland, look, I need someone that just does beautiful skin and like a great eyebrow whatever which is you know I know you talk about an eyebrow but the fact that you were like I remember when you worked at you worked at Shuamura before and do you think because you've worked with the public and everything you've you've always got this great attitude is you listen to the client um it's not about you you're always make you're always great with suggestions and I think because people trust you that sometimes that we extend what it is a look and go somewhere else rather than just something that we're very used to but you always you always have such a great manner and patience and do you think that's because you worked selling people things and different people in and out all day or what do you think I think because I started out as an aesthetician and 
you know, I, I grew up in the north, in a tiny little village in the north of England in, in West Yorkshire. And when I said I wanted to be a makeup artist, my understanding of being a makeup artist was looking at pictures of Boy George and, you know, Steve Strange and Toya Wilcox and thinking, I, I can do that. I want to do that. And then I sort of realized quickly that I was going to have to, you know, in the in the words of Billy Elliot's parents, get yourself a trade, Billy. Um, you know, it was like, you, you need to, you need to make another plan because you might not necessarily get to do the job that you want to do. And I was like 11 when I took my options at school and I'd made up my mind what I wanted. Thank God I had that drive, but, um, I was recommended to go and be an esthetician. That's impressive. At 11, my goodness. Yeah. I was very focused. I'm an only child. And I think that I think that made me incredibly focused as a result of that because I just did, you know, I, I was concentrating on how the hell I was going to get out of West Yorkshire. And <laughs> I knew, I knew that I had to be focused if I wanted to be successful. So I went and I went to beauty therapy college and I learned massage and electrolysis and facials. And I learned the ethics that went along with that and, you know, client confidentiality, which seems to be something that no one has anymore. And the self, the the care element, the nurturing side of me uh, really responded to that. And so when I moved to London to go to London College of Fashion, I kind of took what I'd learned in that and I brought it to learning to be a makeup artist and studying fashion. And um, it's a very, very personal job. I mean, you don't touch people's faces just in general, like most people don't, you know, I don't have that physical barrier that I do at the moment, but I don't generally, I'll, I'll think nothing of walking over to a photo assistant and wiping Sharpie off his cheek. You know, I'm kind of, <laughs> I, I, I don't sort of, you know, if, if somebody's talking to me and they've got something stuck to their face, I'll just walk over and wipe it off because I don't have that. I don't have that barrier. Whereas you think if, you know, if you, you know, if you just randomly go up and touch somebody's face, you don't allow anyone into that space unless you're either going to kiss them or you're going to hit them. It's like a very, very close force field and no one's allowed into it. And I think that that in itself, just the physical element of it makes it incredibly personal. And, you know, I, I love my clients. I grow to love people and I care deeply that they're successful I you know I get to meet extraordinary people and have amazing experiences because of my job and you know you'd have to be some kind of robot to not care that someone someone did well and I think I've realized over the years that if I had gone into to the original field that I thought I'd gone into I maybe wouldn't have been able to feed that part of myself and being a personal makeup artist to people in the public eye is something I take very very seriously I'm super confidential I I just care very deeply I care deeply about the quality of my work and and about them you're also very proud of them you're also very proud and you love when when you when your people do well and when they're succeeded it's something that you know how fought how hard they fought to get there you know it's amazing to see that you know there's there's so many like I've seen you buy brushes, like not just makeup brushes, but, you know, just standing and looking at something the way it's made. And, you know, you, you, you use a lot of different things 
that you've created different looks with as well yeah I you know most of the time I think you it's like any creative any creative outlet you learn the inadverted commas right way to do something and then you develop your own methods and you know training under Val Garland was probably one of the greatest gifts I could have ever had yeah she's amazing she's so generous with her skill set she's she knows just when to encourage you and just when to bully you and that was amazing and also working at Shuamura was an incredible outlet for me because like you say Shar, I just worked with anybody and everybody who came in uh, amongst a lot of other very talented makeup artists and it was an it was a really amazing unusual brand at that point it was the first artist brand it was in Harvey Nichols before Mac ever came to the UK they helped me build my kit I bought beautiful brushes um they helped me to afford to get through college my friend she is now my friend, but at the time, uh, Millie Kendall brought uh, Shuamura to the UK from the US. I went for an interview and she created a position for me because she knew I couldn't go full time into, into the store. So she made me the Harvey Nichols Saturday girl. And that was my job for seven years part time because I, I literally couldn't have supported myself or had the kind of kit that I had if I hadn't taken that job so I look back at those years very fondly I'm, I'm still in touch with a lot of the people that I met there and um, yeah I just feel really lucky that that was my that was my part-time job. I want to go back to your about traveling so much because I had a, a question I'm curious about obviously you're back to back I would imagine when there's awards going on and, and launches for films and things happening you're traveling with your kit what's your your safety net to traveling like if your kit got lost, do you travel with a basic backup as hand luggage to prepare in case something like that happens? And has something like that happened? Yes. Luckily, touch some wood somewhere. Oh, I'm, very I'm touching it for you. Yes. Please, everyone touch wood. Yeah, touch wood because I've had it with clothes and it's a bloody nightmare. Oh, it's God. Awful. Well, it's so, it's so personal a kit as well because it's not, not the case of, you know, just having one black, black eyeliner, it's having six black eyeliners that all behave differently and are used for different jobs all in one place. And, you know, whilst I can pack a smaller kit and just have that in my hand luggage, and I don't tend to do that. I always carry my brushes in my hand luggage because, to be perfectly honest, they're so valuable it would be insane to check them in. I really, really invest in my brushes. Are they valuable? You mean because of the job they can do, of how they perform with makeup on them? Well, that and the fact that they're very expensive. Yeah, very expensive. <laughs> yes, yes. I was, I was going to say if it's because they're expensive, because they're just great tools. I mean, you know, makeup brushes, the way that people manufacture makeup brushes are changing, is changing a lot currently. And it is possible to get very good brushes that are inexpensive. But a lot of my brushes I've had for like, you know, 10 years, let's say, um, a lot of the more uh technical let's say more expensive fiber brushes and they are expensive you know not all of my brushes are expensive but and I have to have such a great amount of them because I can never use the same brush twice and I might not want to wash my brushes every single night so I leave with two big big you know bags full of brushes wherever I go so I have those in my hand luggage I'll have just the basics in my hand luggage um, but everything else is packed with like military precision into a kit that is 
so it's a, a Remoa case and I take the, I unzip all the lining. I fill the entire thing with shockproof material, zip it back up again. And everything is just packed in, in such a way that even with a really hard impact, generally speaking, most things will survive even a, a really hefty flight. And then, of course, there's the the other part of it, which is dragging it around, which is, yeah. I always say it's like having a very awkward teenager because it's <laughs> practically the same weight and <laughs> just as obstinate. You know, you're dragging it and lifting it upstairs and, you know, pulling it off carousels and throwing it in cars. And I mean, it's about the best workout I get these days. <laughs> Are you working on any projects now that you're not traveling? I mean, how have you, how have you found to stay creative? I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because, you know, I've been working with Chanel now for uh, 15 years this year. Mm, congratulations. That's fantastic. Thank you. I, I, gosh, I'm, I'm so lucky to work with such a brilliant company and wonderful people. But since I joined the company and I started to work with them it was mainly sort of editorially and you know red carpet work that I would represent them with and of course because I'm not traveling we're not promoting movies right now all the editorial that I've shot is now grinding to a halt having been sat on my butt for six weeks it's it's now the focus is becoming social media you know having to having to create content in a different way so that we're keeping the wheels of our industry turning and hopefully still keeping people interested in what we're doing. I mean, how bizarre to think that Instagram would become our version of a portfolio. I mean, it's blasphemous, really. When you think about it, it is quite blasphemous, but I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. But yeah, right now it's really just about, I'm doing a lot of interviews I'm creating content for social media, which involves me faffing around with my kit and shooting it. And I'm just kind of like going down memory lane, really. I, I, I haven't felt particularly creative. And so I've just recently pulled out my watercolors and my calligraphy uh, equipment and bits and pieces. And I'm just kind of trying to sit quietly with that and hone my skills and I'm, I'm making a few concepts for some beauty shoots that I have coming up. But do you find it quite nice to be grounded for once, to be not traveling so much? So you can do kind of, I don't know, more paintings and drawings. I know that you said nature's a source of inspiration for you. It really is. It's, it's you know, and I'm very lucky to be surrounded by nature currently. What's your view right now? Are you around just greenery up a mountain? I am. Um, I am looking at some snow on top of a mountain and I'm oh. surrounded by pine trees. <laughs> wow. I mean, the, the honest truth is, Karina, is Kate cannot walk around a garden without suddenly coming in with piles and piles. She doesn't pick flowers like, like just like pitch. She'll take things that are on the ground and look, little things that we most of us walk by and not notice, little twigs and cones. And, you know, I remember in my garden, she literally found a leaf like on the ground that I still have that was the exact shape of a heart that she dried. Um, I have a vase full of like beautiful big twigs that have got pine cones on them that she did that, that sit in my, my living room. And it's just like, you know, she just has such an eye for for finding link, little intricacies and everything. I mean, the amount of time that we stood and even watched someone wrap something perfectly in like 
<laughs> when we've been in Japan and watching things getting done and watching paper. Another one, I mean, we spoke to um, uh, Nick Wakeman, who's a great friend of of, of ours. And you know, as 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 you know that, that we have we have our our madness, the three of us. But um, she spoke about stationery as well and sniffing paper and magazines. But you have a great love of stationery as well, don't you, Kate? I am the last of the great letter writers, and you know, I'm probably the only person who actually still sends greeting cards. No one seems to do that anymore. I mean, there was when when we got married, there was no one happier than me going to you know, the letterpress in, in West Hollywood and talking about how I wanted the the print to be and how, you know, I would like bright orange calligraphy. And, you know, I really, really get into stationery. There's something very tactile about it. And, um, and I've actually been writing a few letters whilst I've been sat up here. So, you know, I need to be doing something with my hands. I, I wouldn't say I'm the greatest artist when it comes to a flat surface, but um, I'm very three-dimensional and I'm very I'm very sensitive to my environment and I, I've been threatening for years to try and get into sculpture again, which is something I did when I was at school. I was just thinking pottery. I was just thinking pottery. Do well, Nick Wakeman and I are going on a pottery course. I don't know if I really, I mean, I would love to do pottery, but I'm thinking more carve, carving and sculpture. Yeah, because, you know, when I worked with Val, that would always, I would get very frustrated because I would never get to finish um, an entire look. She would always put me on lines because I have this uncanny ability to be able to draw very straight lines on a round surface. I just, my my grandfa- my great-grandfather was a sign writer and I kind of, mum once watched me doing makeup on a shoot and she looked at me and she said, oh, I'm watching the way that you're doing that and you're just making me think of my grandfather. Wow. Because people used to, you know, sign write back in the days and they would use these little, they would use these little like rests to to be able to draw the line. That's what you do with the little puff that you leave yeah. and then you paint. Wow, I never knew that. Yeah. I've never known. So my mom, so my mom kind of was, you know, she's she was like, oh, she said, you just given me goosebumps because you're reminding me of him. And so, yeah, so Val would always be like, Kate Lee, get over there and draw 50, you know, I did, I was so lucky. I worked on all the Givenchy shows with McQueen before he broke off on his own. And, you know, a lot of the notable shows uh, with Mc, the McQueen label after that. And I would be the one standing there drawing all the boxes onto people's faces and waxing, <laughs> waxing down eyebrows. I got all the technical stuff. I never got to finish an entire look. I'd be like, please let me put glitter. She'd be like, no, you're too good at drawing lines. You need to be doing the lines. That's what you're, that's your job. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Have you done any prosthetic work, Kate? I did when I was still at school. And I do occasionally bust it out for like Halloween. I, you know, my Halloween attempts are usually gory and they're, they're not generally slutty. You either go slutty or gory and mine are usually like quite stomach wrenching. Um, but um, yeah, I do. But you know, it's like anything else. It's like cutting hair. It's, you know, there's always different equipment. There's different products. And if you're not using that, I mean, I look at Isamaya French and I watch what she does with prosthetics and, 
that girl just blows my mind. I definitely don't have those kind of skills because it's not what I'm doing all the time. You know, it, it doesn't call for that. But, you know, I can wax down an eyebrow and I can do a pretty decent black eye and a few scars and stitches if you need me to. <laughs> Brilliant. Wow. Just because of the sculpting thing, I wondered like how much of that would come into it, you know? You know, I was very fortunate this award season. My client, Charlize Theron, was promoting a film called Bombshell and about the Roger Ailes story and the Fox News Network and all the shenanigans that went on there. And when she, she was also a producer on the movie and she hired a really, really incredible prosthetic artist called, what's his name? Kazu. And Kazu actually won the Oscar this year for makeup. But I got to meet him. And I mean, the guy is, he's so fascinating. He's an artist. They're actually making a documentary about him and the work that he did on Bombshell. And um, he, he actually did that movie with Gary Oldman. Oh, he did um, Churchill. Churchill, yeah. Oh, he's wow. amazing wow. because he, he, really, he really, I mean, Charlie's really looked, she really, really, I mean, she's changed herself up a lot in movies. That's, you know, part of what's amazing about it is she really like goes into the role fully and is not afraid to look and it like different from her, you know, beautiful, stunning, glorious self. Well, if you think about her, you know, when she won the Oscar for Monster, mm. I mean, that was sort of mind blowing for most people, for, for a woman so incredibly beautiful to, you know, one of the world's greatest beauties, if I dare say that, I really do think that she is, to just completely throw that all by the wayside and show us what an incredible actor she is. And um, I, she was kind of the first one to break the mold that way, I, I feel like, Um and it is part of being a brilliant actor, you know. Is that something you'd think if you were given that opportunity to go into, to work into film and do those kind of prosthetic, like something definitely like really challenging if you were presented a meaty opportunity? I mean, I actually had that opportunity just before I was about to leave London. One of my first clients was Kate Winslet and she was my client before anybody really knew who she was and then of course she did the boat film as everybody <laughs> titanic as everyone else knows it she did that film and you know obviously it did very very well but there was a little movie that came up after that called quills that she shot with michael kane uh jeffrey rush joaquin phoenix billy whitelaw and it was about the marquis de sade and she and i were thick as thieves at that point and um she said, will you come on and do my makeup on this movie? And I was like, oh, I don't know, okay. I, you know, I don't know that I want to be a film makeup artist. And I, I was working with Val at the time. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And she, Kate, she said, Kate, go and do this film. This is amazing for you. Like no one, no one cares if you're starting your career or not. No one, no one knows anything about you at this point. So go and get this experience while you can. So I did. And I did Kate's makeup and hair and small bits of prosthetics, very heavily supported, obviously, um, on that movie. And it, it was it was a really incredible learning experience. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. I was vastly underqualified to be on a movie set like that. But I really did find it interesting. And at the end of the movie, the man that was uh, designing the film, lovely man called Peter King, said to me, why don't you come with me? I'm going to go and do this 
movie called The Lord of the Rings, and I'd like, <laughs> oh my you, God. I'd like you to come. <laughs> I'd like you to come and do Kate Blanchett uh, for me because he liked to put someone on each person. And I, I said, you know, that that's a dream. I'd love to do that. But, you know, I'm going to be a fashion makeup artist because I still thought I was at that point. And I was like, no, I, I, I can't change route. Like, you know, thank you so much. But I, I need to stick with what I'm doing or I'm never going to get started, which was very insightful to a, a certain extent. And then my life would have been very, very different if I had done that because I would have been in New Zealand for seven years. <gasps> but, um, yeah, I did. I did very luckily have that option at that point and it was just a crossroads in in my life and my career and I decided not to take that turn do you still feel the same now like if you've given that opportunity now I do just because the the life of a movie makeup artist is very tough yeah I imagine it's brutal those guys are the salt of the earth the hours that you work on a movie I mean when I worked on Quills I was the first one that I mean admittedly a lot of it was because of my lack of experience but I was the first one in the trailer and the last one to leave because the prep and then the breaking everything down and then prepping again for the next day and the continuity and, you know, the fact that you're dealing with people who are playing very emotional roles and knowing when you can approach them or when you can't approach them and the weather and the environment and the hours and the food and, the you know, every single part of it, you, you have to be cut out for it. And, um, and as much as... My job can be very challenging. It is a completely different animal. And I, I don't know that I could switch direction now. I think I'm a little further along. I mean, maybe I've done little cameos with people on movie sets. But the other thing as well is you have to be in, in a union to even step onto set now. So in the odd time I have gone and worked on movies, I've had to stay in the trailer and I can't even go on set and take care of what I've done. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not an easy street to cross. I think it's obviously also there's no privacy because you're in this community of people and there's no private life, I would imagine, if you're traveling much, much more with a crew of film people. Yeah, yeah, it's just a very, very different environment and, and not one that I, I, I feel I would be that great at, to be honest. I, I think I'm very set in my ways now. It's been a very, you know, it's been over 25 years of doing what I'm doing and I, I gravitated to it naturally and... I, d I don't think I would change direction at this point, no. Have you got any standout moments that you feel like, oh my God, I did that, I was very proud of that, or I worked with that artist and that was a pinch me moment? Um, my goodness. Or is it all a pinch me moment? You know, I... Because I... it sounds quite incredible, your career trajectory. I've, I have had extraordinary experiences and I've met amazing people and none of it would have happened if I had, you know just stayed in the little town where I was born and not cho chosen to pursue further education, to have been lucky enough to grow up in a country where my my choice to study was supported. You know, if my parents had had to pay for my education, I wouldn't have had the education that I did. And I feel very, very grateful for that. There are so many pinch me moments. There are so many. And, and it's not one of those jobs where you just work to live. I really live to work and I think, you know, during this time of bizarre pandemic and stepping back, as much as the first month was delightful almost because it was like, oh yes, I, I can do all the things that I've not had time to do, you know, as I'm getting further along into it, it's like I'm missing my, my people, I'm missing my faces, I'm missing the people around them 
and I'm really realizing just how much I take from it personally and how much I truly love every element of it. And so, you know, there's always a pinch me moment when people are looking fantastic and about to walk out onto a red carpet. That's a pinch me moment. When someone wins an Oscar, that's a, you know, a pinch me moment. Um, so many things connected to the industry are pinch me moments. And then so many moments that are not connected to it. I, I just, you know, I've stood on, you know, and looked at Sugarloaf Mountain in Brazil at 4am in the morning with a, with a crew of people that I adore as a part of going and doing my job. I mean, who knows if I ever would have, have seen the things that I've seen. I certainly don't think I would have traveled the way I have. And as much as it is a case of you're at the mercy of what everybody else is doing because your time belongs to someone else when you travel for work. I've been very, very fortunate that I've been able to see some of the great wonders of the world and eat in incredible places and be in amazing company. I I really couldn't be more grateful for that. I really couldn't. Do you get the chance to collaborate with, like with the celebrities that you work with or is it often they have a set ask and you have to follow that or as you've grown to work with these people that you say are friends and close close with that you can collaborate a lot more and be quite creative with them I think I think it comes down to what Shah just said earlier actually that um, as you build a relationship and as somebody trusts you they are more likely to trust your suggestions and you know the way I work I I gather inspiration and I think about what I'm going to do, but it's very rare that what I plan actually ends up happening because when I get into the environment, there are lots of different factors that come into play, like what someone's wearing, where they're going, is it appropriate for them to look a certain way? And it's very instinctual what I would recommend. I mean, very lucky with Charlize, she's just like, oh, do your thing. She doesn't get involved. She just lets me do my job. And Kira Knightley is exactly the same. She's always been very trusting of me to let me do whatever I feel is right for the occasion. And I think that really is a big part of what I do, just sort of saying, you know, this film festival is you know, it's a smaller film festival, you're going to be standing on a, you know, a blue carpet outside a tiny screening room. So let's not go the whole hog, you know, it's kind of like knowing about those things. And so people do learn to trust you. I mean, that said, it always is a collaboration, because, you know, let's just say I have an idea, and I think it looks great. And then your client has to feel comfortable enough to say, Kate, you know, I know, you think this is the right thing, but I'm really just not feeling it. Do you mind if we switch this out and can we can we do something more like this you've got to be just ready to go and change things up and not attach your ego to what you're doing at all you know you've you can only work within the boundaries that people give you if they don't tell you they're not feeling comfortable then that's something completely different but I always hope that what I'm doing is adding to somebody's confidence not taking away from it and so yeah I I would like to think it's always collaborative but into you know inking in a creative sense, that that's the main part where I can collaborate. A lot of the time, it's you know, it, if it, unless it's a, a a creative environment and it's a red carpet or it's a photo shoot, 
then a lot of the time people just want to be done and go and get their, you know, go and do their press junket or go in. So it's knowing what's appropriate in those scenarios. If someone's sitting in my seat at 4am and they're going to do morning TV in New York, I'm not going to get into a massive conversation about eyeliner at that point. I'm just going to knock it out in 40 <laughs> minutes. You know, they're going to get their hair and makeup done in 40 minutes. They're going to go on morning TV and be done, you know. So there are so many different elements. I think that's, you know. Is that all, is that 40 minutes for both hair and makeup to do their job? It can be, yeah. Wow, that's nothing. And, and that also involves showing up to a pitch black hotel room, lighting it, setting up your equipment, packing up, packing down and getting out of there and into a limo and off to wherever we're going, you know, so crikey, it's appropriate, appropriate to the, to the situation. How would you feel about someone doing your makeup? Oh, good question. Ah, good question, Spitz. Um, I, as you know, I don't really wear much makeup. I don't think she'd like it. Very slow answering the question. (laughs) I know. I don't really wear much makeup. My focus these days is, on as little as I can wear as possible and keeping my skin in good condition. So I think I would be actually a very nervous customer for having my makeup done. I'd probably be the worst, in fact. Oh, you know what I'm like when I'm getting my hair cut? And just for people, you know, I used to be a hairdresser before I was a musician, folks, but um, I'm a nightmare getting my hair cut. I literally am watching, watching, watching. That's why I asked you the question, because I thought, I wonder what it would be like with someone right in her face doing her eyebrows. Because I've seen... Kate watches like literally if I was having something done to my eyebrows I would take Kate with me to literally watch if you know like when you see people having like like um even like when she dyes my eyebrows sometimes like they are so precise and perfect that I just wouldn't let anyone else do it it's like she's so good at it and the precision and the the love and the care that goes into it but I thought I wonder what she'd be like if someone get in her face I think it'd be a nightmare. That's the short version. <laughs> I'd be like, no, don't do that. No, don't put that there. That's a really bad idea. Okay, how about you use this and put it there and use this? And I know, I know you wouldn't use a mirror in front of you as well. I know you would just be able to feel exactly what they're doing is wrong. <laughs> I sometimes do it to my assistant just to torture her. <laughs> I'll be like, go on then, do my eyebrows. And she'll be like, oh, shit. <laughs> Good girl. I, I've learned some things from Val. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I think you'd be very, you'd be have so much anxiety if someone was trying to do your makeup. I just, you know what it is? It's almost like being in the nursing profession, not at all because of what the nurses do, because mm. that's amazing. But if a nurse or a doctor approached you and they were wearing a shit ton of makeup, you'd be very nervous of them because you're like, that's that's not sanitary. That's not, it doesn't feel appropriate for me to show up with a lot of makeup on to work. Not even though, you know, I did that when I was a kid, like I would wear a lot of makeup, like most teenagers do, but yeah, it doesn't feel appropriate to me. And I think because my background is in, in skincare and beauty therapy, I am very cognizant of the fact that makeup doesn't look great if it's not good on on good skin. So I'm more focused on that. Plus I'm pushing 50, you know, so we got to watch out. With too much concealer and too much foundation is no bueno. Yeah. What's, do, you have a, do you have a quarantine beauty routine? Oh, God. I wish I did. <laughs> Because I, I love moisturisers. I'm not a big makeup person either. I love like really good creams and moisturisers. You know, I'm very fortunate in the sense that pe- 
people are incredibly um, generous with me and they send me amazing, beautiful products. At the moment, I'm focusing more on sort of nurturing and taking care of myself. I'm taking a total break from makeup, not doing any makeup at all. And the products that I'm using are just very pure and very focused on their job. And I'm concentrating on hydration, exfoliation, sun, sun cream, because I'm doing a lot of walking outside at the moment and just trying to keep my head straight, you know. And so really, I think I, I am definitely like more focused on nurturing than I am on any kind of adornment or, you know, try, trying to look great right now. I'm really just trying to keep myself on the on the rails. I've been using my Dr. Dennis Gross LED mask and and there's two products that I do. I mean, I don't travel without. One is the Solution 10 Dishanel, which is a, a very light, natural moisturizer. It only has 10 ingredients. It's, it was actually designed by Amy Wechler, who is, well, she's a dermatologist that works with Chanel, but she made this very simple, beautiful moisturizer. So I'm using that. I'm using Attacher sunscreen, which they sent me a little while ago, which I'm loving. It's like a mineral sunscreen. And um, I'm using this other, uh, it's called, uh, the brand is called Infiore, and it's a natural brand. And uh, Julie Elliott, who designs the brand, has just made this incredible citrate. It's like a, a very, very condensed, nutrient-rich balm for the skin and it smells like heaven and I just I I go through those four products just constantly and then uh for my body I've been using that brand Necessaire have you seen I've that? heard of that actually but I don't know the product I've heard of them very very clean very clean nothing in there that doesn't need to be there it's actually fragrance free which strangely I enjoy and they they do beautiful shower gels and really nice body cream and and that's it for me Right now, I'm really not doing any more than that. And my hair is like down to my butt because I haven't had a cut and I can't remember how long. Because you're a hippie living in the mountains. I love it. I know, but I live with a hairdresser. I mean, I could get my hair cut. <laughs> I'm just a very high, well hydrated mountain woman right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I love when you said that you're nurturing. You're, you know, it's all about that right now. I think it's all about being kind to yourself and, and just, not having any expectations or deadlines or, or thinking that you've got to do anything a certain way. I think just every, day by day right now for everything. Yeah, because, you know, that I know a lot of people and especially freelance people when when this came about, you know, I came back from a job in, in Canada and I was like, right, I am not going anywhere now because the, fl the flight back was one of terror for me. The f for the first month, you know, you look at that month and you think, well, I might never have another month like this again. So I'm going to clean up my diet. I'm going to start an exercise regimen. I'm going to do this, this, this. And really all I've done is cook, clean and eat and... <laughs> you know drink wine every night and you know and so now I'm sort of moving into week six I'm like maybe it's time to park the party bus and try to at least get on some kind of like normal schedule but you know I'm sleeping like a baby I'm walking my dogs every day I'm 
you know, I like you say, Karina, I think it's just day by day at this point. I think as well, like, a lot of the thing is as well, I feel like I'm eating healthier actually, even though I'm not suddenly going, oh, I'm going to do some kind of diet, I'm going to clean it. I, I just kind of feel that because you're cooking every day and you're cooking, 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 as you said, I, and you know, a glass of wine at night, whatever. It's just like I feel healthier because I'm definitely, you know, not rushing I'm not rushing to eat you know I'm not oh just get some food in me because I've got to get to somewhere and I'm starving like which whether you're like when you're on a set or whether you're you know in a situation where you work my client or whatever you're just trying to get some food into you sometimes but I think maybe that's a thing that probably we'll we'll ask ourselves going into the future yeah now we've had this time for self-nurturing and you know that's another thing I was going to say you know I find that after 25 years in this business my my attention is not just on someone looking beautiful and feeling good about themselves it's it is really on the taking care uh level two because you know there is a very very big difference in the skin of someone who takes care of themselves versus someone who doesn't and I can tell almost straight away if someone smokes immediately from their skin and that's you know I'm finding that very interesting right now and I'm using this time to kind of focus in a little bit more on lucky enough to be sent and I haven't really researched. So yeah, I think I think if if what we come out of the I mean, there's a lot to this pandemic and not to play it down. But I think if that there's a gift in most scenarios and I think if it means that we're learning how to balance our minds and take care of our bodies a little bit better then we'll all be better off for it and our planet for that matter i agree well kate we're gonna i think we should i guess wrap it up we started off initially saying we're gonna do 20 minute podcasts but they get longer and longer and longer don't they charlene <laughs> love talking to everybody they're so interesting thank you so much thank you for just spending so much time with us and just explaining everything it was it was really my pleasure thank you for asking me i i love what you're doing with mission karina it's it's truly inspirational. It's so lovely to see what you're doing and knowing, knowing, you know, where it came from and being able to relate to that. And, uh, you know, I just wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Well, this is hopefully the start of more things with you and conversations, because like our other guests, I think we do need to do part two with you because yeah. this wasn't long enough. But thanks again for having me. Thank you for always tuning in to listen to us. And if this was your first time listening to My Mission Is, I hope you stay with us and keep listening. We seem to be keeping with the fashion link for now, but we'll switch it up soon, I promise. I just couldn't resist asking this person to be on. She's got a job that I found fascinating for so long. We'd love to hear all about the ins and outs of her job and how she got to where she got to. Our next guest is Anita Bitten, a casting director based in New York, and who has worked with the likes of Alexander Wang to Mark Jacobs. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.